Hey everybody, welcome to Regardless, You've Got This. I'm your host, Skylar Sorkin. Say hello to the syllabus for your 20-something soul. The syllabus you never received in college is finally making an appearance. This podcast will inspire you to create your very own 20-something syllabus, ultimately guiding you towards your sole purpose regardless of self-doubt and what others think. Alrighty, let's just get to work. Welcome, welcome back to Regardless, the syllabus for your 20-something soul. I am so honored today to introduce you all to Kirti Gupta, who will be joining us on Regardless. She is the absolute definition of a boss and has a truly inspiring and Regardless-esque story to share with us all. Kirti is the Vice President of Economic Strategy and the Chief Economist at Qualcomm. With over 20 years of Fortune 500 industry experience in diverse roles, spanning engineering, product litigation, and policy, she and her global economics team have really provided this economic analysis and thought leadership on global technology, IP, antitrust, and macroeconomic and policy issues, really collaborating with various business units internally and a global network of experts, economists, and policymakers. Dr. Gupta has several publications in policy, law, economics, journals, and holds over 50 patents in the field of wireless communication. So she's obviously killing it. She's incredible. So Kirti, welcome to Regardless. Thank you, Skylar. Thank you for having me. I am really, really excited just to learn a little bit more about your journey, what makes you so unique. So I'm going to start off here. Kirti, do you mind telling us, you know, what it was like growing up in India and what inspired you to come to the United States alone? And how did this experience really shape who you are today? Yeah, I grew up in Delhi and I was a very academic child, I would say. And, you know, when I was very young, I read a book about a scientist. I read about Marie Curie, actually. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, science is what one needs to have motivation in old age, like till the end of life, like yeah. <laughs> a quest for something. And I think that's kind of what drove me to come uh, to the U.S. to uh, do a graduate, to graduate work in electrical engineering in, in um um, in some kind of a science mm-hmm. that I was interested in at that time. It sounds like a long time ago, my, my interests kept changing as people <laughs> discovered in this story. But at that time, it was science. Yeah. And that's what brought me to uh, to the US when I was 21, almost 21, uh, to graduate school. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, growing up in Delhi was very interesting it's a very big city it's a city of 20 million plus people and it's uber competitive like um, where I grew up or the circle in which I grew up uh, pretty much um, everybody was very driven and Mm. um, I don't think that uh, it was an option for any of us to just um, uh, take it easy Yeah. And then what, what was it like for you, you know, as a 20 something year old being 21 and moving to the United States, you know, do you think you were, you were driven because you wanted to 
you know, it was for you obviously individually, but do you think that the competition mm-hmm. or the pressure of, you know, where you grew up had a huge impact on your decision and how did that really, you know, take a toll or, or affect some of the decisions you made in the U S yeah, I, I think that sometimes, you know, pressure is a good thing and sometimes it's not so good mm-hmm. because it does, um, it does enable you to make difficult, uh, you know, leaps in your life. Like, you know, I came here uh, mm-hmm. by myself at the age of 21 to a different country with two suitcases and nothing else Easy. Uh, on a scholarship. But, uh, but I think it took me several years to understand that this is not something I want to do all the time. Like mm. I came to San Diego, to Qualcomm, to work as an engineer and we were doing R&D. We were, you know, building the technology that makes the smart in your smartphone that, that, that really makes your phones connected. Mm-hmm. And a few years into that career path, I started thinking, I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I was in my 20s and mm-hmm. 20s, a little bit more than that, uh, entering late 20s. And um, and I remember thinking, what is it that I want to do for the rest of my life? And yeah. the engineering questions just seemed interesting, but too narrow, you know, like you're solving a very specific problem at any given time. Mm. And the world is a big place. So maybe... Uh, not maybe for sure it was naivet but it was also stepping away from that pressure a little mm-hmm. bit of you know a linear path career and all that that led me to think and explore uh, other interests and that's what led me to economics wow and i did i ended up doing a phd in economics full time while working full time as an engineer and i don't recommend that to my yeah. first <laughs> anyone but I think it was really that quest for the big picture. Like, mm-hmm. what's the big picture? How how do you want to solve big problems? Like, I come from a developing country, you know, like you can't not be driven by thinking of how do you solve the problem of poverty? How do you solve the world's hunger problem? Those are big questions. And I think I was led to economics after looking at sociology and anthropology and like a lot of interesting things and then ultimately I found economics and I thought that's kind of my soul calling me because yeah this big questions of society but there's also sort of method to the madness no there's some tech some like math some Mm -hmm. uh, so the the, it condoned with the geek inside me I would say (laughs) yeah perfect fit were you able like I feel like as 20 somethings something year olds we get pretty yeah. stressed out when it comes to making the right decision or picking the right career you know move for us and this journey and how did you really find that big picture when you were working at Qualcomm like were you able to take on different projects that allowed you to mm-hmm. you know put on your ec- ec- economist hat and then mm-hmm. that was kind of like oh this is the right next step but like how do you find yeah. that balance and maybe you are limited to a specific role. So it, it's hard, like yeah. kind of taking the leap to following your passion, but how are you able to really do that, you know, within having this nine to five? That's a really good and an important question because I think when we are in our twenties and like, I, maybe I come from a particularly competitive, high pressure environment, but we all do in yeah. our own way. Right. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves in our 20s. There's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know. And 
looking back i feel like i've made the best decisions when i didn't care when mm. i wasn't thinking about oh you know this is the right thing to do for my linear success career path uh when i just sort of took a leap of faith and thought whatever like let's mm. let's see where this leads because i'm interested and no other reason beyond that and i think that economics was one of those crazy ideas uh you know um at that time in my 20s you know everybody was following that very nice straightforward linear path in a big company as an, and they they're still doing well my colleagues who i worked with then and they continued on that linear path yeah. they did well i kind of took a detour right a total absolute detour right like it takes 5 years to do a phd minimum <laughs> so that's a big step back in anybody's career even though i was sort of mm-hmm. trying to do both it does you do pay a transaction cost right mm-hmm. and then like you said i started looking at different projects uh in my work because i was interested yeah. and because you know like emails would come and i would respond to them a certain way i remember like there was one turning point in my career where like just people were like discussing some things over email and i started responding and saying statistically i think you know this or that would be the idea and at that time my boss who was the chief ip officer or my boss's boss at that time i don't even remember he called me <laughs> into his office and he said you speak about economics and statistics with some authority i have this big problem to solve for the company and our company is the largest ip licensor in the world we generate the most money from ip yeah. we're one of the largest patent filers in the world and our costs were growing at 25% year, year over year and we were under significant budget constraints but how do we determine where to cut the costs mm. like which patents which countries which technologies file less and abandon more whatever right so so he called me and he said i have this problem to solve and i said yeah i mean this is an optimization problem and n dimensional so i can solve this for you and we took it to our executive team it became a big deal it was institutionalized in the company and that was one of the turning points in my career and it really came from just i don't know showing up with some interest and yeah. responding to some emails with interest and that has always been the story like every time you show up with just and you don't know when the next opportunity comes or how it comes or which shape it comes in but if you just show up with like interest and passion it will come that's mm. what i think now like wisdom of hindsight when i look back and the la- at the last 15 years i realize that you know we tend to become so impatient in our 20s and we yeah. make these choices and it feels like we are taking several steps back but i think that we're not when we follow mm. our passion i love that i yeah i mean there's for sure this difference between you know the shortcut or a detour and you know when you decided to get a phd that to you was probably yeah. like oh my god the most craziest detour ever because it kind of puts you back 5 years at least and yeah. then some because then you start a new career at zero and you know you're already like at that my i was like 34 by the time i finished mm-hmm. my phd so um i didn't feel you know i felt like wow you know to restart my career at that age would be so many steps back compared to my colleagues who had started their or mm-hmm. i who had started my career as an engineer over 10 years ago but it wasn't that is the crazy part of the story that it was actually a shortcut mm-hmm. it was what led me to define my own unique path 
and not just stay on the treadmill. Uh, you know, I started the global economics function at Qualcomm. I founded a whole new sort of way of thinking, doing things because this idea of like the every tech company now has an office of the chief economist. Wow. It started with Microsoft, with Google, with Yahoo, with uh, and then, you know, Netflix, Uber, Zillow, whoever, Redfin, you name it, they all followed. And everybody has an office of the chief economist that looks at the macroeconomy, thinks about the implications for their industry, and also explains the value of their technology to the world. And then they do other things, like some of them do more technical things like, you know, health products. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, if you're selling stuff on Amazon, do ratings matter? How much do they matter, right? Like you need to answer a lot of technical questions. But there is this field that is now entrenched in tech. And I found myself at a point where we could make the argument that, listen, we need this here too. Mm. And and it came after years and years of just one opportunity after the other, mm. solving one challenge after the other. Um, and you can never tell that when you take the long cut, it's actually a shortcut. Yeah. But it is in the end, right? Because you, what you're doing when you take these detours and you follow your passion, you're investing in yourself. You're investing in your own personal brand, which is invaluable. And that will pay dividend in the long run, undoubtedly, right? Like you know this, you, you know this intuitively, and you will know this when you look back at your life. But in the moment, it's scary. Yeah. Because everybody's on the treadmill. That's and exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I think it's also this comparison trap that we get in because yeah. we see mm-hmm. our, our coworkers, you know, that are on this kind of climbing the ladder and we think it's so yes. linear and we have managers yeah. who are like, okay, mm-hmm. you'll get a promotion to this this next role. And yes. then you'll keep on climbing up the ladder. Salary yeah. continues to, you know, increase as well. But I, I think there needs to be a change or at least interna- internally and on an individual level that it's okay to not take this linear path and it's okay to still be in corporate America and find what works for you within the company, exactly what you did, where you were able to create your own role. I think that there is more room for that. Yeah, even in the corporate world right now, I think somebody had coined this term like, we don't live in a world where you climb corporate ladders. You kind of live in a corporate jungle gym mm-hmm. where you have different ladders, different jungle gym type of, you know, ways to climb in different ways. And when you're in your 20s, it's just so valuable to switch roles, mm-hmm. to wear multiple hats, to try different things because that opportunity will never come back. And if somebody's like sort of in that linear path, like treadmill, ladder, whatever you call it, right? Mm-hmm. They're not investing in various aspects of the mind, the personality, different disciplines. Like for me, it was a lot about combining disciplines, right? I love that. Um, and if you're not doing that in your 20s, you really can't ever do it. Like it's it's too, mm. like it's it's harder and harder, right? Like the higher up you are. And totally. The you have gone. Um, and I think that's what ultimately starts paying dividends in the long mm. run. So you almost have to go slower to run faster later. You almost have to take these long cuts that ultimately become shortcuts, but they will never feel like that in the moment. That's extremely helpful. Yes. <laughs> um, like even the speaking engagement that I had that Kirti, you helped me with. Yeah. <laughs> me with um, 
at at HBO Max where you know I was moderating an event with a couple of C-level executives there my first time doing it for my company and I was so excited I'm like this is so up my alley this is what I've been asking for here's an opportunity I just went with it and then now seeing that I already had that experience I'm like whoa I should be doing this more often beautiful but I yeah. wouldn't have had that if I didn't if I wasn't open to the opportunity or didn't put myself out there in the company and say raising zone. yeah like raising my hand yeah. And you stepped out of your comfort zone a little yeah, for bit. Sure. That's for sure. For sure. It's it's so hard. It's harder still like stepping out of your comfort zone is one thing, one thing and that's hard. But then, you know, taking a total detour in your career is harder still, right? Like yep. you know, you go to these like nice talks at uh, graduation day and you have people like Steve Jobs or other entrepreneurs give you these talks about they left their day jobs or their careers and it sounds scary like it sounds like it's one of those they're extraordinary human beings and am I one of them so you know Mm -hmm. maybe I can bring a little bit normal to that story because like every one of us is a small entrepreneur in small ways we don't have to make these major big steps (laughs) but even if we are taking these smaller steps to make ourselves more mm. unique, more independent, more <coughs> differentiated in our own personal brands, um, big do- detours, small detours, um, whatever they are, uh, we just got to know that eventually that does pay off. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I think getting people excited and inspired that you could still have, you know, a corporate nine to five job working for a large company, but there's always room to be an individual and it's, there's always room to have your own brand and create that and just be different and know that you're different and be celebrated for that. And you have your own personal brand and company wherever you go, even if you're working for Qualcomm or Oracle or Influential, you name it, you know you're an asset and you should be celebrated for being different and creating your own, your own path in it in some way. Yeah. Obviously, you know, people have to, we all have to understand that we are adding the value to the organization that we are mm-hmm. working for at any given time. Right. Um, you're not celebrated if you're not adding the value to the organization totally cause that you're currently working for but I feel like any of us the most important thing we bring to our jobs is our personality our energy what kind of energy we are bringing and how will we bring that energy if we're not investing in our passions and our own interests Uh, that that to me has been a very big learning so Right now, I'm trying to think of taking a bit of a detour, mm-hmm. um, trying to uh, take a mini break, write a book, uh, you know, do some podcast type of work because on my area of interest, like I think the world is at a cusp of yeah. a global war on chips. And we got to be able to navigate the story for the global economy to stay afloat. And if we don't, then we will see continued inflation for a period of time it's not something that will just go away Mm -hmm. I mean think about it Skylar if we decide today as the world that we will de-globalize in the foundational technology that everybody uses which is chips you use over 2,000 chips a day in your cars in your phones in your planes in your hair dryer in your coffee maker 
if we de-globalize, meaning those chips are not just being made in Taiwan, they'll be made in US and Europe and Mexico in five countries instead of one, that means the prices of everything is going to go up. Mm-hmm. If price of everything goes up, inflation is not just a passing trend because we printed a lot of money or because we had some supply chain crisis during the pandemic. It is something we live with. That has massive consequences on you, on me, on our parents, on the, you know, um, on on every generation, frankly. Yeah. Uh, so we gotta we gotta get this right. There's mm-hmm. no right or wrong, but we have to go into this challenge with our eyes open and make the choices we would mm-hmm. be, we may make as society and know its consequences. Because any choice, any consequences, if you know, if you're well informed about it. Um, you can have a better planning strategy. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's for for everything, even if it's, you know, personally. um, I mean, I think it's absolutely wonderful what you're doing and, you know, this detour that you're about to embark on for yourself, that's actually going to be a shortcut um, because (laughs) you're following your passion and you're bringing a voice to something that you you see that people need more knowledge and need to be educated about. That in itself is ins- inspiring because even after having a career and currently having a career at Qualcomm as a chief economist, like the shortcuts, the detours, it never ends. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. right now there's a little bit more of a perspective that I have than I did mm. when last time I d- d- took a detour, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have that perspective. I really felt like, wow, I'm taking a major step back in my career. And I was quite frankly tormented about it, but I'm not anymore. Uh, and this is what I hope to sort of uh, impart uh, to those who are thinking about this uh, without the you know benefit of years of experience that it's okay and it's mm. going to be okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. I also want to touch a little bit on your experience, especially as a woman um, and mm-hmm. not being from the United States and mm-hmm. as the chief economist, I mean, mm-hmm. Qualcomm is the world's leading wireless tech innovator. Mm-hmm. And so having that title, I can only imagine how much more challenging it was for you as a woman really to climb up the ladder of a Fortune 500 company. I mean, talk about a detour. I feel like women, that puts at least five more years of resistance on <laughs> any woman's path and you know, taking your PhD. And so how were you able to really pause and continue to listen to your dreams, follow through, regardless of any noise or external resistance coming from the latter? That's a, you know, that's another really important theme for all of us as we navigate our careers in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and more. I think Skylar, for me, Um, I might have shared this with you before, it took a long time to even acknowledge Mm. that there are gender-based biases, subconscious ones, but not just those in those around you, within you. They're outside, but they're also inside you. And, and, you know, for the longest time, I thought, I don't want to have that chip on my shoulder. Like, there's no, there's no, like, there is, a let's call it a bias i don't want to say discrimination but there is there is there are biases only if i 
you know, carry them within me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but yeah. that's denying reality because we are all different. We all come from different backgrounds, different stories. And these are stories we've all told ourselves in throughout our lifetimes. And those around us are perceiving us in different ways. So it took me a long time to really even understand that, hey, I'm expected to show up differently. If I show up as even like a little bit more demanding or a little bit more complaining, then I'm, I'm showing up as like not okay, aggressive, like it would be labeled in a different way. And I need to be careful. Like these are things that all of us actually know intuitively because we, we know it. Like we are yeah. way smarter than we subconsciously realize. They're like subconscious. There are thousands of signals that we are processing. So it took me a long time to even acknowledge and accept the reality. And then it took some time to process it. Oh, oh, if I ask for a raise, it would be viewed differently than, you know, like I have, it happened to me. I had, you know, offers from competitors and and I think at some point I was told like, I'm asking for this, this and this. And it was at some point it was like, careful how much you ask for. Like you can ask for this, but not this, this and this. And and I think, and, and, you know, I would process it with a support network and colleagues and friends and lawyers. And, oh, you know, it would be very different if, <laughs> if, if men would ask the same thing. So oh, very different. There was acknowledgement, processing, and then there was addressing and addressing is a hard part, right? Like mm. now, you know, and you have understood that you are being perceived differently, you, but whatever you ask for or, or the how you show up is going to be accepted or uh, in a different way. But now you need to address it. Mm. And that's its own set of monsters. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you say? What do you not say? How far do you push? How far do you not push? Which battle to pick? Which battle not to pick? <laughs> uh, who are your allies? Who are not your allies? What cards mm. to play? What cards not to play? Uh, and I would say that like for women in the workplace, right now if you are on a leadership track you have multiple more layers of nuances you need to be able to handle and navigate and make no mistake about it because they're there so you might as well smarten up the sooner the better acknowledge process address the sooner the better Mm. because you just have more arrows in your quiver to play with that's extremely valuable information and <laughs> spot yeah. on. Shorten, shorten the time span. Like how quickly were you able to recognize that? And do you think you, was it kind of through trial and error? Yeah, I think it took me years. It took me years to acknowledge even because when you're working in a technical field in engineering, there are very few women. There are very Absolutely. few male mentors. In leadership, there are more and more women now. So that's good. It's changing. And they're helping other women more and more. That's helpful. That's changing. Um, And, you know, at least for me, because I came from a technical field, for for a long time, I would dismiss these things as Mm. as just, you know, side sort of side interests. Not that important. Not Mm -hmm. that critical. Uh, Until you start realizing the more you know, nuance, the challenges become, right? Like you say something in a meeting, how it's perceived, right? Like you bring an idea to the table. Like there was this one point in my career, I remember I was thinking, I was sitting in a meeting, somebody raised a challenge and I thought, hey, we need to address this challenge in this way. 
these this is the kind of person we need to hire to address mm-hmm. this challenge and these are the kinds of studies we need to uh, s- sort of um, uh, oversee this is the kind of analysis okay. we need to do and everybody in the room thought that's a great idea i mean somebody some some much older like ex- experienced guy said that's a great idea and the person running the meeting turned to that guy and said yeah it is so why don't you run it and i, I thought he just acknowledged it's my great idea and in the end i ended up doing all the work i ended up basically running the show but the person what? who was given the charge obviously was called the leader of the project and this happened again and again and again so for so, so then like i started realizing hmm you know how come um even if you show up as a leader you're not going to be given the charge Sorry. like you you can help the leader but you may not be the leader so then you need to make some minor adjustments to show up differently and it has to be slow ball at least in my case i felt like it had to be nuanced and slower because if i asked too fast and too much it would be viewed as aggressive and that's not okay because mm. you're self promoter and there were like these terms used for women around me oh she's a self promoter she's just asking for running the project so so you you, you can easily be like fall into that category and that can be your demise right so showing up with more ownership but not too much and too fast because mm. otherwise you're just a self promoter you're too aggressive and you will be written off so one step at a time mm. and then I, like asking for ownership demanding ownership showing up with ownership one one step at a time those are the tricks that i learned i'm sensing like patience but also always being an advocate for yourself and your dreams and resilience because to me i'm sensing that you really never gave up i mean you obviously effectively climbed this sort of ladder and dealt with a lot of these situations to really create your own brand and create the leadership that you wanted originally that you weren't really getting you know recognition for so do you think it was just continuous moments and experiences of of maybe being said said no to um or not getting the correct recognition and then finally kind of proving yourself i feel like if anybody is who's on the path to really uh follow their passion mm-hmm. giving up is not an option right like just because you'll face some roadblocks like it might limit how far you go but you can give up i hear about this like the great resignation or yeah. like a lot of women like attrition is a real thing for women above the manager level in tech for example okay and i can see that right like you know people getting fed up and sort of saying is it worth my time uh but then they're making something else a priority right mm-hmm. uh they're not giving up they're just making something else a priority maybe their families they're raising their children whatever it is uh but you're still in the race of life yeah. you really are you can give up because you're following some passion this one or that one mm. so for me giving up was never an option but i felt like um i felt like yeah i learned how to pace myself and one other other thing i would say uh, uh you know when you advocate for yourself you can't advocate for yourself alone so mm. every one of us should think of our own unique board of directors in our careers like who are my stakeholders who are my board of directors the people that i need on my network Side. 
that will advocate with me for me and for themselves but they're your, your your own unique set and they need to know at all times what you're up to what you're doing how you're helping them how you're helping the organization or whatever the cause that you're trying to fulfill and those are the people that you need to like nurture along with yourself mm. in this journey uh, and that helps a lot because none of us can do it alone we all think- need a village I agree. And do you think this set of people or your board of directors, can it be maybe a mix of people, you know, across yeah. the board in your life? It doesn't have to be just from your corporate job. It can kind of be maybe someone in your family, friends, mentors. How would you kind of explain this board of directors <laughs> more? Great, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm more from the perspective of wherever, like in my organization, in my company, I had my own unique sort of people. Yeah. Uh, but since my role is external facing, even professionally, like other than you know, coaches and mentors and friends and family, it would be people I work with outside the company. And that is really important for any of us in this day and age. We should have a little bit of an external facing role. It doesn't matter how much uh, and, and, and what is its nature, but you need to have stakeholders that sit outside your organization. And then, yeah, like friends, family, mentors, advisors, uh, coaches, uh, all of the above. It's beautiful. I love that. Your 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 toes dipped in different networks is always so important, and to just nurture those relationships is can be game changing. I mean, you never know what the next open door could be. Yeah, I think they always come like that. They come from your network, from your connections. Absolutely, not from applying for a job on a website. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> really, to summarize, you know, this shortcut versus. Mm-hmm. running, running on this treadmill that can be the long cut, 20-somethings and beyond. We're always so in our heads really about making this perfect move, the perfect decision in our careers. And sometimes either side hustle or passion projects mm-hmm. or our dreams mm-hmm. can feel like we're taking you know, a detour or the path of most resistance and the longer journey. And I love what we've kind of you know explored today is that really the detour in the moment is actually a shortcut and it just takes patience and resilience. And I'm just, I'm curious, Kirti, like, do you have anything more that you've kind of experienced from having a couple of moments of kind of aha moments of, of this shortcut versus detour, starting on your own podcast and taking this break from the corporate world? Like, what are you most excited about? What are you most nervous about? Like, let's just be like real about it for a second. Yeah. Um, something you said about path of most resistance, I would, I would reframe that. Mm. I think that the, it's the path of least resistance. Mm. And sometimes that path is the riskier path. Uh, But in your heart, your intuition, it knows what you really want to do. And uh, that's sometimes a scary thing to do. It could be leaving a cushy job, leaving a lot of money on the table. It could be you know, putting yourself out there, stepping out of your comfort zone. Uh, but whatever you know you you need to do, but somehow something's stopping you from doing it because we all have patterns that we have learned in our lives mm. that are trying to keep us safe, trying to keep us from getting hurt. And they push, they hold us back, right? From the things that we actually truly, our true selves really want totally. to explore, but we're scared to. That 
is the path of least resistance. Actually following that voice, even though it's hard, to me is the path of least resistance. And you just won't ever know where it will lead you. And I don't know either right now. I have no idea what's going to happen, how it's going to, where it's going to lead me. But I know that if I don't do this and I keep doing the same thing that I've been doing for a long time, um, I would look back and, mm. and I mean, I just won't be happy. Mm. I just won't be fulfilled. And even though that's just scary, yeah, super risky, um, it is what it is and we'll figure it out. Yeah. So um, let's uh, take one step at a time. Mm. <laughs> and I think we build our path that way. Yeah. I I love that. Just taking it day by day and listening to that inner voice inside. That's like, Kirti, this is like what makes me happy. This is what I want to do. I want to explore this. And we don't have to always have this game plan or, you know, after I take this step, I'll get a promotion to the next step. Like life doesn't have to work that way. And sometimes not following that way is the path of least resistance. Sometimes that is the path of least yeah. resistance. Kirti, I want to talk about mental health for a minute. You know, I think our society really looks at self-love, self-improvement, self-growth, mental health, whatever you want to call it, in a very black and white box almost and thinking. I think when we think about a life coach or a therapist, we really place it in one box in our lives, whether that's our mm-hmm. personal or social box, and we really apply it there mostly mm-hmm. for most of us. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I do think there is a gap here. I mean, I would argue that mental health and self-improvement is 100 million percent inter- interchangeable between your personal and professional life. Yeah. So thoughts. Yeah. How, what What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, look, I've been on this journey now and, you know, I'm the most sort of rational person you would find with the engineering and economics, tech, number crunching background uh, and quite a skeptic by by design, not religious or spiritual in my upbringing. Um, Mm -hmm. Although I'm realizing that's less true than I expected it to be. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But, you know, when I started working on these kinds of things like coaching, and then I did a process called the Hoffman process up in Northern California, it made me realize the things that we all have. We are all humans. We all have triggers. We all have our stories. We all have traumas. No one is exempt from that. And the more we are able to be self-aware, but also self-compassionate and get freedom from them, the farther we can go exactly in what you and I were talking about before in listening to our inner voice without the fear that holds us back. Yeah. And you know this when you are in the presence of people who are more courageous than others, your energy lifts up. You just Mm. know this intuitively. Like some people are energy takers in your life and some people are energy givers in your life. And in the presence of the energy givers, you feel uplifted mm-hmm. when you leave the room or you leave the conversation or whatever, right? And yep. then there, are, there is also the opposite experience each of us have had. And the difference is courage. The difference is not operating from a place of fear. But you can never do that if you have not addressed your own triggers that are guiding you through life in autopilot for a very long time. Mm. So I, you know, I have now come to the realization that the self-work or self-improvement is 
essentially mm. not just a personal gain it is absolutely a professional gain like there is true dollar return on investment yeah. on that yeah. kind of work that any of us would do because we would just show up in a different way mm. and you don't change how you show up from one conversation to other from your family to your professional life you are who you are uh and that investment is just invaluable mm, i love that i love that it's like the self work and the self improvement and going to therapy or getting a coach and and working through what you have to work with first of all you're learning so much about you how you can really harness either you know some of your weaknesses or strengths to really make you a better person overall, whether that's communicating, um, you know, in your, your job or the way that you show up again and your energy, it, it affects so much. Like even cause I'm in sales and energy yeah, is, is everything. everything. Yeah. And we're all sellers. We're all entrepreneurs. And so if mm. we're able to just level up personally on an individual and internal level, Gosh, like I feel like performance can exceed to like 3000%. Yeah, we can run so much faster without our triggers pushing us back all the time, our emotions pulling us down all the time. And strength and weaknesses, that's interesting because I always used to, you know, when you do some more traditional kind of rara coaching, you would say strengths, strengths, let's acknowledge our strengths. Yeah. But you know what? Let's also acknowledge our weaknesses, our limitations, let's call them, mm-hmm. because we all have those. And to truly actually acknowledge and embrace your strengths and then deepen them, you also need to acknowledge your limitations and be okay with them. Totally. And that means being okay with other people's limitations. And that means not having judgment towards yourself and towards others. Yeah, and yeah. freedom and fastness. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same, like when we have like a yearly review with a manager, they always ask, okay, what are the areas of your job that you want to work on? What do you want to improve? It's the same personally. And even the, the same things yeah. that maybe trigger you on an individual yeah. level, even with friendships, yeah. that same shit and that cloud is transferable in, in the working world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, that you said at some point in our conversation, I hear patience in going through the slow burn path towards leadership. Um, I would say anybody who knows me at a personal or a professional level would agree. Like you yeah. have us that one place where I struggle is patience. It is not my strong suit. <laughs> You're me too. <laughs> so, you know, I'm embracing it. I love it. I'm trying to change it every day or slowly adjust it and live with it, but I love it. You're acknowledging it and you're also <laughs> addressing it. You're taking action. It's, you know, let's uh, let's also embrace part of it, right? Like I can't mm-hmm. change who I am. And by the way, great things come out of lack of patience too. Totally, totally. So it's I mean, always like this. You need <laughs> the best and the worst coexist. Totally. And sometimes our strengths can also be our weaknesses if we don't know how to properly mm-hmm. harness it. I mean, same with patience. Like being having a lack of patience is probably good for me for sales because if I didn't have a lack of patience that I wouldn't be, you know, great with following up or et cetera, or pushing the, the needle forward. And then also on the road, maybe having a lack of patience isn't always great. So it's always, you know, I think it's really about understanding your strengths and really knowing like when to harness. Yeah. And have you seen that movie Inside Out? 
uh, it's a great Disney movie that talks about like six different emotions that are and mm. inside your body, like that's happening in in a character's mind at any time: anger, vanity, uh, joy, happiness, uh, joy and and sadness, and I think there were a couple of others. Um, and the beautiful part of that story is that in the end, you know, this the story is about this 11 year old old girl whose family has uprooted and they've moved to San Francisco from the Midwest and she's missing mm-hmm. her school and her friends and she gets angry with her parents. She leaves the house. And then in the end, like, and the story is going between the real story and the inside emotional story of a character. And in the end, the big moment comes, the takeaway of the story is that joy and sadness coexist. Mm. Leaving her parents was so sad, but it was combined with the joy of wanting to be with them and what it means to be a family. And that is exactly right. In any part of life, this weakness or limitation, let's call it, limitation mm-hmm. and strength must coexist. It's just mm-hmm. the beauty of our natures. So look, I'm a work in progress like you and like rest of us. I'm really trying to just accept yep. the limitations, mm. live with them, but also recognize the strength that comes from them. That was <laughs> gorgeous. I'm for sure going to take that clip and put it out on TikTok and Instagram because that was spot on, Kirti. I loved that. Duality. It's duality, yin and yang. There it is. Well, unfortunately, I cannot believe we were at the 50 mark. So we were at the end of today's episode, and I would love to welcome you to the syllabus steps. So this is a time for us to really recap what it is that we've learned from your experience and how we can actually integrate your experience and insight into our lives. So regardless of the noise this you know, corporate ladders, shortcuts, detours, making Mm -hmm. the right, perfect decision. How can we 20 somethings begin to pause, listen to what we truly want and make the decision that is right for us on an individual level? So Kirti, really with that, that overall, you know, summary, do you have any specific books, tools, resources, practices that have supported Mm -hmm. you on this journey? And that you can share with us. Okay, very good. So let's talk about this very okay. quickly in three steps, right? Okay. So courage, listening to your inner voice, following your passions, and most importantly, not worrying about taking a step back because in the long run, you are slowing down to speed up. Mm. What has helped me the most, surprisingly, a very simple thing, early morning walks in nature by myself Mm -hmm. every day because that's when you're listening to yourself you're in nature you have perspective you're thinking and the moment you start doing it every day it becomes a practice it could be something else for different people a lot of people meditate Um, I do that too Uh, but my biggest alignment changes in life have come when I'm in my in the moments by myself in nature free from the distractions Mm. In terms of books, I have some favorites that I would love to share. My Please. absolute all-time favorite is Sapiens by Yabul Noah Harari. It's Sapiens, the History of Humankind. Gives a great perspective on just life and why we humans are the way we are, why we tick the way we do, and the importance of storytelling 
which is you know critical to <laughs> our civilization totally um and it's equal 21 lessons in the 21st century i also love the david hawkins books like map of consciousness or letting go which really talks about you know it's not situations events or things that are hard in our lives it's the feelings that we feel from that but that we don't want to face that are difficult and once we learn to do that we can do anything mm. um, those would be my two main recommendations i love love oh, okay last question for you it's a fill in the blank so regardless of blank i am blank regardless of fears i am curious mm whoa that was cool that was beautiful purity let's stay curious thank you skylar for this opportunity um you have a great 20 something 30 something and longer journey in front of you <laughs> let's stay curious courageous regardless of our fears our triggers and uh, we'll see where this takes us i love it i am so excited for you and this journey of another shortcut that's going to get you even <laughs> closer to your utmost dreams and you're so inspiring i'm so grateful to have you as a mentor in my life and i can't wait to share your story and your insight with my following because it's it's pretty impactful and just a gem yay so until next time thank you skylar thanks for listening to regardless I hope you've learned something from this month's soul conversation and will apply it to your very own syllabus. Join me next month for a new guest, a new tool, and a new perspective. If you found value in this podcast, please empower your tribe by sharing, leaving a comment, review, and or subscribe. Catch new episodes on the second and fourth week of every month on all major audio podcast platforms. For more information about my life and updates about the podcast, head to my Instagram at Skylar Sorkin and at Regardless the Pod. Thank you for tuning into Regardless. Thank you for being vulnerable and talking about the uncomfortable. Now go kick some ass.